Welcome to Paradox Culture Podcast. We're back this week. Uh, you know, Paradox Culture Podcast is on episode number six. We are so excited about, gosh, doing six episodes already. Time is flying. So in this podcast, as a Paradox Culture, we like to talk about when our words and life don't always say the same thing. And so today we have a special guest with us. I'm so excited to welcome him there. You see him on the screen, uh, Mr. Ted Lowe. And uh, God and I have crossed our, God has crossed Ted and I's paths together. And man, I'm so thankful for him and what he has been doing for marriages around the world. Ted is a speaker, author, podcast host, director of marriedpeople.com. And um, he is a fantastic guy above all that. So uh, also a, a husband of Nancy and their three wonderful children. And um, just getting a four. Four, sorry. Yeah, we added one. I must have sent you an old bio. <laughs> you added one since the last yeah, time. Yeah, we truly did. We truly <laughs> did. So, yeah. So, um, Ted has been involved in full-time ministry, uh, working as a, a married pastor to, to uh, with Andy Stanley. And then now, Ted, you are now working with Orange Curriculum. Is that correct? It is. I oversee um, marriedpeople.org, uh, which is the marriage division of Orange. So, yeah. yeah. So, good times. Good yeah. times. Ted uh, was with us at First Neville. Um, when was that? Back in February, February 14th, actually. So fun. so fun to be with you guys. Yeah, he <laughs> did a, a marriage conference for us and did a fantastic job, and it was a lot of fun. So, uh, again, Ted, thanks for coming on to the Paradox Culture Podcast. And uh, we're going to have fun today. And so I'm going to kick it over to Philip. We, when we have a special guest, we always grill them with some rapid fire questions. So we just want your first initial thoughts on these questions, okay? It helps our audience get to know you a little bit. So Philip, take it away with those questions. All right, Ted. So we got a couple things for you. Uh, first of all, uh, where are you from or like where did you grow up at? I grew up in a little tiny town in Alabama called Center, Alabama. Okay. What's that close to? Uh, so nothing. Uh, <laughs> actually, it's about two hours from uh, Atlanta. So, okay. okay, not far. Yeah, right over the Georgia border. That's right. <clears throat> okay, so pancakes or waffles? Ooh, I'm gonna go with pancakes. All right, good man. That's a good choice. Good choice. All right, chocolate versus uh, just regular candy, like sweet candy. Ooh, sweet candy, like the kind that you go, mm, this is from a factory. Like, <laughs> this is not anything about food yeah th that kind of candy i love all right um camping or hotel hotel <laughs> <laughs> all right uh beach or mountains beach beach all right uh netflix hulu or amazon prime Ooh, that's i love them all they're uh, all great uh, right i'm gonna go with uh netflix okay we gotta throw disney plus in there too because that's that's true you thing now yeah <clears throat> all right ted uh instagram or facebook instagram instagram all right uh falcons or braves oh uh, or neither falcons. falcons all right uh wings or burgers burgers all right um old testament or new testament new testament i need grace <laughs> <laughs> we all do we all do um andy or louie Oh, uh, gosh, I uh, like a diet of 75% Andy and 25% Louie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I had to throw that last question in there because I'm sure you've worked with both of them at some point in your career. So a little bit, a little bit more than Andy than with Louie, but I love both those guys are tremendous. Uh, yes. Cool. All right. Very cool. Great job on the rapid fire. Now I'm going to go a little bit deeper question here. What is the best piece of advice that you've ever received? Don't talk so much. <laughs> really? I, think, uh, I really do think it's quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I'm not great at it all the time, but I just think, oh, learned way too late as a husband and as a parent just to go, hmm, quiet is sometimes your best choice mm. often yeah. now that's probably hard for you because you're a talker right you, you that's your natural personality oh i'm too much of a talker uh 
your report cards used to say things like inclined to mischief and talks too much. <laughs> Mine always got both of those. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's, yeah, I, that is hard. I'm an extrovert, so that can be, mm. and ADHD and people with ADHD don't think a lot of times before they speak, it's real reactive. So I'm at, you know, I'm the perfect storm over here for <laughs> making bad choices with my words. Chasing after your words after they leave your mouth then, huh? Yeah. I was like, Ooh, yeah. What were you thinking? I wasn't. <laughs> All right, so today, because we have you, our great special guest here with us, is to talk about marriage. Um, and in the paradox culture, we try to bring up topics that, like, where we as Christians might live one, our, our words, we might talk about things in one way, but then sometimes the reality of our life definitely doesn't match up with what our words are saying. And, and, and it's been said, so our paradox que question or thought mm -hmm. today is you know marriages are supposed to be a picture of the gospel and if that's true for christians then sometimes our pictures look pretty blurry mm. as far as christian couples uh you know you, i don't want to dive into statistics because you can make statistics say anything you want basically but you know the christian marriage statistic versus the non-christian marriage statistic of of staying together there's not a lot of difference there, unfortunately, you know, when you see the divorce rate between those two. So, you know, I think there's something for us to dive in and look at a little bit today and kind of explore that. Like, why are our pictures so blurry when it comes to that? What a godly marriage looks like, and especially if it's supposed to represent how God loves his pe loves people and loves the lost and his children. So, um, you know, real quick, as kind of set up our context here, we look at, Ted, you know, you look at scripture and the first question we have to ask, okay, where did marriage come from, right? So if it's supposed to be godly, then we don't want to just assume where did it come from? Well, it comes from God, and we know that based on his word. And we see God officiating that first wedding in the garden with Adam and Eve. You know, it was awesome. It was great. They got to walk around naked and... uh you know, I don't know. People like that nowadays, but naked and unashamed. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's so pretty, be naked and unashamed. That's the show <laughs> that we should be watching, but it's not. Especially after COVID. I mean, gosh. Oh, oh don't even. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Some LB's been added there for sure. <laughs> um, that is very true. The COVID nineteens. Uh, <laughs> pounds. Yep. Um, so we see this first picture of marriage show up in Genesis right? And it's a beautiful picture. It's great. But then something happens. We all know the story, right? They, they sin, they disobey God's command of simple command. And they eat of the forbidden fruit of the, the fruit of the tree of knowledge and good and evil. And then they realize that, wow, I am naked and I'm, a, I am ashamed, you know, and that there it starts spiraling out of control. And uh, imagine, can you imagine that first marriage argument? I've often played this in my head many a times, you know, uh, what, what, what do you, what do you think, Ted, that argument went like? It's just like ours, you know, uh, one of us does something and the other one blames them. Oh, look what she did. You know? Uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of, Hey, I didn't do this. You did this. We see, uh, our, we don't see our part in it. We see their part in it. Uh, but yeah, that had to be an interesting moment. That is for sure. Uh, see what you did you got us kicked out of the perfect uh, place and they've made things hard for the rest of us that's right and so, it continues adam and eve great great work there good choices <laughs> well then we go to uh first corinthians chapter 7 verse 8 you know paul's talking to the church of corinth and you know basically they're asking him if is it a sin to get married or you know should should people that aren't married get married and he basically says no it's not a sin to be married uh, but you know, if you don't have to be married, basically I would recommend that you don't. And then he goes on to say, you know, <clears throat> basically, um, yet those who marry will have worldly troubles and I would spare you of that is what Paul says. <laughs> so, I mean, it kind of backs up Genesis, right? Hey, here it comes, you know? Mm, yeah. Look, look out. I, I can tell you one thing, two things. It's a mystery and it's, it's going to be tough. Uh, no, I, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. It's, um, 
I think with marriage, it, it is tough. And you talk about how, you know, the Christian marriage is supposed to look one way and then um, it should look different than the world. I think one of the things that as church leaders that we've kind of got to own for the last, you know, as marriage ministry has been a thing is the part leaders, we paint this perfect picture of what it's supposed to look like uh, or even portray what it's supposed to look like. And I think a lot of people are sitting there going, I, if that's what I'm supposed to be, I can't be that. Or, and if I'm not like that, I better not tell anybody. Uh, I think there's so many people that come to church on Sunday and they sit there and they think they're the only ones that maybe are struggling. So I think there's this need um, when we paint this perfect picture that people tell us what we want to hear. You know, we're like the needy, pleasing children. Like we all, you know, our kids have different personalities. We've got a couple that are real pleasers. And it also kind of makes them uh, dishonest because they're trying to uh, keep us pleased. And I think that's a little bit of this whole idea of that, you know, one is a Christian marriage, you know, with its words are one thing and its actions are another is they feel it's, I don't think it's from a bad place, actually. I think they're just trying to, to please and they feel shameful about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they don't know what to, what to do about, what to do about that. Yeah, that's so true. I think people aren't real with themselves and you know we talk about the church mask a lot and we wear it and then therefore when we do go out into the world and our marriage isn't perfect then the world says you're a bunch of hypocrites and the fact is we all are and we have been yeah i think that one of the harder things you know especially for for any of us that would stand on stage is you know we want to we want to paint this picture of what marriage is supposed to look like what obviously scripture tells us it should look like but then as communicators you know i think we kind of build up this idea of how ours should look to other people and we it's hard for us to be real um as communicators sometimes because it's like well if we're going to stand up on a stage and talk about it you know shouldn't we absolutely be doing that and it can be hard sometimes to get up there and say hey here here's some things that i'm flawed in and what i'm having trouble with and i think that some of that you know talk about being honest with where we are not just from an audience standpoint, but from the communicator standpoint, up on that stage being, look, you know, and I try and remind our, our young adults, I'm no better than anyone else. I'm, I'm just a little bit ahead of the curve because I've done it before you guys did, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yep. That's a, hard, that's a hard place to sit at sometimes. It is, and I, we decided early on, we'd only been married six years when we started doing marriage ministry, which well, I look back now and I go, I can't believe a church offered me a job <laughs> to do that. I don't know who's dumber them for asking or us for saying yes or for me for saying yes. Um, but I did, I felt this tremendous amount of pressure at first um, to have it all figured out or have it all together. And my pastor was really, uh, he really helped me with that. He said, Ted, people will learn more out of your weaknesses uh, than sometimes out of your strength. And I rem- so we would talk four times a year at church. And I remember this lady comes up to Nancy afterwards and she says, I can't believe you. I can't believe you let him share all that. Uh, and I always just share where I'm messed up, right? I'm never going to throw her under the bus. Um, but it was this moment of like, wow, she was like, I couldn't do that. Um, I think we have to, we have to be vulnerable enough to show our imperfections. But I've also watched people swing it so far to the other side that they want people to so know that they're normal that that I won't say they invent things, but they'll get maybe. Uh, too deep like because I don't mind telling people that we have a great marriage it's not perfect we used to struggle quite a bit and now we have a really great marriage and I think sometimes communicators we feel bad for even saying that so I think it's all about being vulnerable and being because here's the thing I don't want to hear from somebody that's been in marriage ministry forever and tell me they have a a junky marriage because basically they're saying they don't know what they're talking about like if a mechanic shows up and his truck's falling apart kind of like ah, back on up buddy I'm <laughs> I'm going to YouTube I'll yeah. fix this sucker myself so I think it's this balance of truth it's authenticity I think people especially Millennials are craving authenticity and vulnerability uh, but also uh, people that learn like they've learned how to how to change things and people we say it like this we say hope that struggle is normal but hope is available well, we've got to do both. We can't just, oh, it's all oh, a big struggle. It's terrible and it's awful and it's all this hard work. Um, but over here, I think we have to tell them, but there's hope based on that. Um, 
but I just think it's a balance. It, I feel like right now it's about honesty and authenticity uh, with people. I think that's what people are craving right now. Just, just, just be real, uh, but give me hope. So as we're talking about this, this topic, like our, the picture of our marriage should display the gospel and, and bringing that back into this conversation that, as you're saying, we can be authentic in that picture because Jesus was always, he dealt with the sinner where they were, not where he was going to take them, right? Exactly. And uh, so I think it's important, as you just said, it's important that we're real because the lost world's watching mm. to see if we're fake or not. Yeah. Uh, so what are some common... Ted, you, you deal with a lot of people. You talk with a lot of marriages. You, you're involved in that, in, I don't want to say industry, but that ministry aspect, that's what God's called you to really focus in on. So what are the common things that you're, you're seeing in marriages these days that are really like some of those pitfalls that are just very common to derailing people right now? Yeah, you know, I think with COVID-19 and kind of pushed everybody indoors and it took all their their tensions and their stresses and then added some global size stressors to that and then cranked down the pressure and says, don't leave your house. Yeah. And so we were kind of set up for this <clears throat> crazy time. And I mentioned Nathan and I have a, a great marriage, but I'm telling you two weeks in, we were like, <laughs> whoa. Who, this is like old school Ted and Nancy, like what is happening? Uh, so I think right now, I think it is revealing some things. Um, you know, I'm not a big fan right now of talking about big ticket items that couples are talking about because they're just too stressed out. I had a counselor tell me one time, so don't ever make lifelong decisions when you're super, super emotional. So right. people go, how can we have these really important conversations? I'm like, dude. You need to just be nice right now. Like, that'll all be here. You need to take a breath. You need to be each other's safe place. Uh, but I think people people really struggle um, because I feel like with home, there's a safety um, that we can use for our benefit and our devastation for our marriage. Like, people come home, and they're safe to talk how they want to talk. Uh, if they don't talk the right way at work, if they don't talk the right way with a stranger and even have this internal need to be nice to the clerk at the gas station, which is great. Um, I think when people come home, they let their guards down mm -hmm. and they could either come down and go, Oh, thank goodness we're home. I mean, the number one time couples are fighting is when they reconnect at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Well, they're reconnect, you know, they're connecting all day during all this COVID-19. So I think people treat each other sometimes their spouse uh that way because no one's watching uh they're tired of being so controlled um but people say I just she brings out the worst in me no she's revealing the brokenness in you or he's revealing the brokenness in you so i think people come home and let their guards down and uh you just there's one thing about being comfortable with each other but it's not uh god told me early on in our marriage because don't treat your wife like a dump truck like Here's all my yuck from the day. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest issue that we're experiencing right now, and we're experiencing it all the time, is people are trying to get most of their relational needs, which are all legitimate. A lot of people are trying to get their spouse to meet all of those. Ooh, yeah. And they're all legitimate. I mean, we all want to feel affirmed and loved unconditionally. We have all these needs. Uh, Dr. Sue Johnson says in her book, Hold Me Tight, she says, we try to get from our spouses what our grandparents used to get from a village. So people lived in a village and they hung out with people and, you know, I had relational needs that my dad would meet. I have relational needs that my brother and my friends and my mom and all these different things. Uh, now, you know, we're trying to get a met from everybody. You know, single people do this way better, I think, than married people. Single people know that they have to treat the people around them with kindness and consideration and mutual focus on each other not making it all about them um you know they have they understand they have different friends meet different relational needs there's something happens i don't know what communicated this to us that when we get married you're supposed to be my everything you know it's that classic movie jerry Maguire, you complete me right oh no, gosh that's a lot of pressure yeah you know can you imagine the person sitting across from you sees all your imperfections and it's now their job to fix them things that you've had since you were born and so i think it's just taking that pressure off of them and saying, you know, right now, where can you get some of these other relational needs met? 
I mean, even if you're stuck at home, like who do you need to call? Who do you need to walk with? Because we're trying to get more from our spouse when they've never had less to give us. Right. Uh, so I think that's one of the things that's going on. And I think what we can learn from these times when things get tough, it kind of makes you look at things. It's kind of say, regardless of what happens COVID-19, it, you know, if it all switches tomorrow and it all goes back to normal, um, you still need to get your needs met by somebody other than just your spouse. And obviously I'm talking about legitimate needs. We all know I'm talking, I'm talking about uh, right. emotional needs by a member of the opposite sex. But, you know, who are those people that can pour into you? I mean, we go on vacation, just the two of us, Nancy and I, and then she goes right with her uh, friends and I'll go with my buddies. And we're always laugh. We're hard pressed to say which one of those did the most for our marriage. Mm. Because we need that. Uh, we need both of those. But yeah, I think that's one of the most common things is people are just they're so needy of their spouse. They're really comfortable with their spouse. So you get this double whammy of I'm going to kind of be the yuckiest version of myself and expect you to be the best version of yourself. Uh, and it just doesn't add up. And so that leads to all the different, like, from what you said is like, you, you went to like the nucleus. You didn't deal with like, okay, this is a symptom. This is what people are problems are because that's the nucleus of the problem. Right. So I asked you, you I appreciate that. You took the question deeper and you said, okay, yeah, we're going to have always these symptoms that play themselves out in our marriage, but what is the nucleus that's causing these common problems? And one of them is that we're searching for our spouse to, complete this need that one only God can complete and most you know totally he's the only one that can do that for us but yet we're expecting our spouse to spouse and 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 husband or wife to take on all that and and, and you know what I heard it might have been you and I talking um but you know talking about how you go away you know used to in our normal r rhythm of life was spouse goes away or they're apart from each other they come back and there's a time of reconnecting and oh i missed you kind of thing and now it's like groundhog day <laughs> <laughs> it's groundhog day it is i it mean you're getting is. up and you're doing the same thing and seeing the same faces every day and mm -hmm. and having probably some of the same conversation and arguments uh the yes. same you know every day yes yes it is you're getting you have more opportunities for everything uh the more opportunities to love each other more opportunities to get frustrated with each other there's just more opportunities abound they're they're everywhere and you know you make a good point Trent. i want to back up just a second on the having needs met that only god can meet you know that's just not a church speak right i mean it is i know when i sit down with jesus and the way i do that is i journal my prayers i know some guys just uh I type them because if I don't, I'll be all over the place. And it's not like poetry. It's like random thoughts from a mad man. Uh, but it's this thing of going, I need to get my needs met from, from Jesus and connect that way that he's the one that's validating that I am who I am. And then I'm not going to her, you know, example for us was from that was, you know, we speak a lot. And I remember saying to, um, Andy Stanley, I was telling him that Nancy helps me with my messages. And he goes, why would you do that? <laughs> and I went, because she's really smart and she knows me. And he goes, no. He goes, if you were a chemist, would you come home and run your equations by her? I said, you're not wanting feedback from her. You're wanting affirmation from her. Mm. And so it was this tension of me trying to get something that she could not give me. Um, so I just think there's those moments when we expect God, God sized things or even human sized things, just, just to give them a break. I mean, I've even noticed right now with like questions, um, Nancy told me, she says, uh, you know, there's six of us here and she says, I feel like people are asking me questions that they could just Google. Uh, <laughs> and so mom, you know how moms is it's not lost until mom says it's lost. Um, but I, I've watched, you know, every time there's a question, there's a, there's a degree of an agenda, you know, Hey, have you seen mine coat means, can you get up and go find it? Right. You know, it's just, it's just those questions that I'm just thinking going, all right. Um, I don't know the word neediness just keeps coming back to mind uh, where you're getting your needs met. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, now too, children always play a different role in the marriage. And so you got this, microscope 
like kids notice everything about your relationship with your spouse. And when you're speaking unkind to one another or when you're being kind to one another, and now that's been times the thousand, you know, it was already times a hundred. Now we're at a thousand. And now you have kids speaking into your marriage problems. <laughs> it's like, yes, dad, why are you so mean to mommy all the time? You know, things like that. Oh. Or, you know, mom, <laughs> why, do, why are you so, why are you so mean to dad? He's just trying to do, you know, whatever. So I, I've heard couples talking about how that's just, mm-hmm. just been more gasoline to some of that fire that's already going on. True. Very true. I think it was, uh, you know, you, you did um, an event recently, your best night, you know, normally your conference is your best night out, but you did it your best night in. And I'm um, proud to say that we're going to be able to host that, uh, uh, or rebroadcast, I would say, that event coming this Friday. And I'm really excited about it because it's so good, so quality. And one of the tweets that you have going on at the beginning during the countdown was uh i forgot exactly but basically the the guy tweets out and he says my wife looked at me and she says if we're going to be here together you're going to have to stop doing that and he said what and she says just looks him up and down and says that (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know i can just visualize that conversation you know yes all all of you all of you is driving all (laughs) of me crazy yeah it is uh yeah it's so it's kind of like we've all experienced what I hear retired uh, retired couples experience. Like you hear the, about the the husband that retires finally from his job and he comes home and he gets all up in his wife's business and in her routine and and she doesn't know how to handle it and there's a, a new created tension in that relationship. And it's like 2 months ago we we're all forced into retirement so to speak, you know. Oh. Well, this one friend of mine says people are getting a preview of what their empty nester years are going to look like on an early basis. Uh, you know, NFL athletes or professional athletes, uh, after they retire, have an 80% divorce rate. And I interviewed uh, Brett Butler one time way back in the day, and his wife was saying, you know, we have a way of doing things with our kids. Like, she's had to learn how to survive without them. And then again, he comes home. And so I think that's what people are, you know, uh, Nancy's thinking to me, she goes, everybody's in everybody's business about everything. <laughs> you know, what used to be, you know, everything's my business. You know, all these things that we do on our own. And they're like, hey, they start questioning. What are you doing that for? Right. Cause that's the way I do it. You know, there's, there's those moments. Our worlds have collided. Um, and that's not easy. But I think there's some beauty here that we can really grab onto. And cool. my prayer has been for our married couples that are struggling together. Mm. That, you know, without the friction, things aren't sharpened, mm. you know. And I really pray that if we can hang on and do what you said, I think it goes back to what you were saying. It's just the, that need has to be met by Jesus. And we got to figure out time to spend with Jesus Otherwise, that's going to go really badly. You know, it's going to continue to go badly, you know. And I just hope that we, that Christian marriages at the end of this, and even now in Georgia, we're here in Georgia, and we're starting to kind of regain some traction of whatever normal life is going to look like. But, you know, God, I just really hope that when, we, when Christian marriages go back into the world and we start doing relationships with others, mm-hmm that maybe we look different than before. Yeah, I think so too. And I, I think we've gotten uh, opportunities to practice. Like one of the things with my kids, uh, I have a 15 year old daughter and she's a 15 year old daughter. Like she's, God bless her. I mean, it's got, I can not imagine being a 15 year old uh, girl right now with social media and all the different pieces. Um, and one of the things the counselor had said to us that the most powerful position as a parent is neutral. So I'll catch myself emotionally reacting like I'm a 15 year old girl, <laughs> you know, like she's doing, you know, it's not logical, you know, she's not being logical, she's not being whatever. And I'm like, don't you understand? That's not logical, you know, and, which is so effective. Right. <laughs> you know, oh, dad, I'm sorry. That is more logical. Thank you. Uh, my hormones just went back to the right place. Um, 
but it was very interesting. I had like one interaction where I did that number. Like, I can't believe you. You need to calm down. And then because we're quarantined, just a few minutes later, it happened again. And I got to practice again. I did it with our 20-year-old that's just come home. Like to go, I got really, he wanted to leave and do all this stuff. I got super frustrated. Uh, we had this big old thing. The next time I said, sorry, bud, this is just kind of how we're running this a little bit. I know it doesn't make a lot of sense to you. And two sentences later, he was done. So I think right now, it, for I get excited about people going, all right, we're trapped inside. We are about to be released a little bit to go, let's try something different. Let's try something different. Um, pick three things that you've got opinion about that you could not have an opinion about. What is those battles you're not fighting? Like, what's that thing that you don't agree with them, but you can just let it go? Like, I have... It makes zero sense that we're making our bed during COVID-19. It doesn't make <laughs> sense for me to make it on a normal day. Right. And it's not just make the bed. Like there's the, you take the pillows that you really use and you stack them against the headboard. And because they're not fit for human consumption, <laughs> it would blind them. You put the fake pillows <laughs> in front of those, which are in pillow shams, which I call pillow scams. And then in front of the pillow scams, you put three other pillows that are for no reason. There are people in the world with no pillows, and we have five extra at our house. Right. COVID-19, we make that bed every day. Now, that's not good for me, but it's good for us. Mm -hmm. um, and that's one of those things. Like, I, I mean, that's not logical. I mean, I could whatever about that. But there's just those things. You just go, next time you get a little, do I need to even have an opinion about this? Yeah. You know, I think there's these time to practice and it, because it is, you can kind of see results. Like what would happen is, you know, if you wake up grouchy, you just decide to like fake it till you make it act like it's your boss. You're trying to be nice to them. I mean, people get remarkably controlled and polished when they're in people that they think um, hold influence on their lives. You know, people, I can't be rude at work. Right. Cause I might get fired. So much hangs in the balance. You're like, you're probably going to leave that job. You're for sure going to be irrelevant at work, but you're never going to be irrelevant at home. So I think it's those things of going, let's practice some of our sense of self-control, which is one of the fruits of the spirit, right? Like, let's go, let's try something new. And it just feels good. I'm mean, like that whole parenting thing. I was like, oh my gosh, I've been such an idiot for so long. Just let it go. Yeah. You know, little yeah. and let it go. Yeah. I can't remember. I heard a, um, <clears throat> Christian author uh, counselor one time and it was a marriage conference and I'm trying I'm racking my brain and I cannot remember who it was but basically you, you talked about making your bed and his one of his most practical ways to love your spouse and, and I want to dive into this in a minute because we can't talk about marriage without talking about Ephesians 5 so I'll jump into that and just in a marriage rule book yeah exactly but okay. he he was just simply giving the example of like hey when you make your bed take that time to pray for that spouse. That's good. That's good. And I'm like, cause you and I, I, I'm in the same camp as you. I'm like making the bed does nothing for me. It doesn't give me any satisfaction, but I know my wife loves it and she loves to come into the bedroom at night and see that bed made with all the, the fake pillows that we aren't <laughs> using. And um, you know, so if that makes her happy, then why do I have to fight that battle? <laughs> Totally. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. but I just thought that was such a practical thing. Okay. I could spend time. Yeah. Making that 30 seconds. Yeah. 30 seconds. And that, that, you know, Trent, that's what I've loved to, uh, about getting to know you guys over the years is you want it to be so practical, right? Yeah. Uh, it's so doable. I mean, you know, if the number one time couples are fighting at the end of the day, you know, what if it was a 30 second prayer going, I mean, even for non-believer to go, think there's God I mean I think there's if there is God would you help me to be a better version of myself to my spouse because they deserve it and I want it too uh yeah. it's those moments especially as believers I mean like we don't have a lot of excuse that <laughs> what do we do like come on guys I mean come on Ted you got to do better than that but I think it's just those moments going Jesus would you do this because right now I don't feel you and I'm probably not going to respond the best right now Mm -hmm. my words are not going to be sweet as honey and kind. Nope. Mm -mm. So Ephesians 5, you know, uh, 23 through 33 really is that whole chapter 
and I'm going to dive into, I'm going to skip over 23 because all the men like to talk about verse 23 because that's the submission verse, you know. Can you back us up to 21? Oh, why? I don't have it. Got to get my Bible out. Trent said why. I didn't mean to put you on the spot, but here's, uh, then we jump right into 23. It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's why that verse gets skipped a lot, I think. It is submit to one another yeah man that's you too uh but the biggest thing of that is that out of reverence for christ like why am i doing this like why am i submitting to her and why is she submitting to me like what why am i doing this not because she deserves it but because i'm doing what jesus it's out of response for what jesus did for me instead of what she's doing for me because if i only submit to her to get something like why am i submitting to her because if we respond based on their response, that's a recipe for disaster. And it doesn't allow them to have any emotions either, right? But if our response is like, I'm, I'm going to love her when she's not lovable. I'm going to love him when he's not lovable because God loved me when I was way unlovable. Yeah. Uh, and that's the, that's the moment where you kind of, stuff starts to matter. You kind of go, oh. Uh, and it's not easy, but it's effective. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. I always like to, I think sometimes as a man, I'm always harder on the men, you know, and you and I have had this conversation. That's why a lot of men don't ever want to go to a marriage conference or marriage classes because they feel like they're always the, the punching bag in that class, you know, but I just, I don't know. I just, good. let's pick on the women. Can I pick on the women a little bit? Yeah, go ahead and you pick on the women. I'll pick on the men. Okay, you go first. You go first. Sorry. Let me go first. I told you I was ADHD. I got you off track. Yeah, well, just 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for, up for her, that he might sanctify her, sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. And I just think about that verse, and I'm like, okay, men, going back to our question, if our, our marriages are supposed to be pictures of the gospel, right, here's how they get clear. Is when we love our spouse like Christ loved our dirty, sinful self, right? So then we then we help purify that that special lady that God put in our life. Like we help her grow closer to Jesus because we're acting like Jesus in her life. Yeah. And she gets to have that tangible example of Christ in her life when we love her as Christ loved the church. Now mm. That is so that's such a tall order because some all all the men look look and yell at us like yeah but I'm not Jesus. <laughs> <You know? laughs> She's like no kidding. Uh, <laughs> now it is how we westernize that verse is I'm the boss of you, which is ludicrous to me. Mm-hmm. Um, to say Christ died for the church. I mean, like what it is a such the radical way that Jesus elevated women. I mean, they were second-class citizens. I mean, it was unbelievable how he elevated. I mean, how countercultural that whole thing was. Right. Um, and so I think when people say, oh, it makes me the boss. No, it, it makes you like going, wow, like you've got to love her in a crazy, crazy way. Um, and I know that puts pressure on men. At the same time, I think it, uh, it makes him not be the bully or make him feel like I've got to lead this lesser right i've got to lead her you got to love you lead her by loving her mm-hmm. you know I, I just think we've got to push at the end of this thing what do you want her saying about you at the end of all this right you know what do you want her to say i mean do you want to describe her describe you like the fruits of the spirit i mean you know if she's going to know a life of love it's going to be because you choose to give it to her and the same with her i you know i said can i pick on the women i I think the reason I want to pick on women here is we tend to love, and this is not, this is no one's fault. We tend to love like we want to be loved. Mm-hmm. Um, and women can tend to mother and nurture in that way. Um, and a man's desire is to be respected. Women want to be respected too. If you don't believe me, ask, ask them. Uh, if you tell a millennial lady she doesn't want to be respected, you're toast. You're done. <laughs> Because it's just not, it's just not true. And, you know, and that's why it goes back to Ephesians 21 going, she wants it too. Uh, but I think for ladies, they don't understand that, that, yes, they want respect. They don't understand that it's their husband's core need. 
right. is to be respected. That's what I want more than anything. I said to Nancy one time, I said, you'd really, you realize I'd rather you respect me than love you, love me, right? And she says, okay. And I said, does that make sense? And she goes, not even a little. <laughs> uh, but to us, I mean, to you guys, you know, Philip, I'm curious with you, you're, you know, you're younger than us, you know, how does that work for your generation or for you when it comes to, you know, because that, that sounds, you know, the whole respect thing sounds a little parental and a little 1950s. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, we're talking about at this point in time with millennials. And I mean, like you said, you talk to a woman and say, oh, well, respect is not in your vocabulary. They're like, excuse me, hold on a second. And, you know, it, it's so true, though. I mean, you know, with Amy and I, when we when we're at home, you know, I'm, even we were just talking the other day and I was I was like, you know, I'm curious. And I was telling her, I was like, I'm curious to know what you think about, you know, us being home all the time and spending more time together. She's like, well, I've, I've noticed that you get annoyed with me a little bit easier all of a sudden. And I'm like, and, I, and, I, and realistically, I laughed, but I had to sit back and I go, man, you know, there were some times where I kind of was like frustrated at kind of how things were going. And I began to think about it. And, you know, when we talk about the respect and love, like you were just saying, you know, they do want to be respected. And I, I try and provide that as well. And especially with, with us being millennials, you know, I'm, I'm all wrapped in that, in that conversation right now with our young adults that we deal with and, and talking through all that. Um, and I try and, you know, keep in mind, you know, I, I need to respect my wife. I want to respect my wife. But the, the way that we both receive respect and give respect is very different. Mm. Um, and to me, receiving the respect is that show of love. Um, whereas she wants to receive love and affection in a different way. And respect is part of that. But like you said, it's not the core thing that, that she is looking for, but she still wants it. Just like I still want the type of love that she's expecting from me. It's just not the main thing that I'm looking for. And, you know, even when we talk with, with our young adults and we have obviously a lot of them that are in relationships. And so we, we talk with them and I make sure I tell the guys, you know, very regularly when we sit down and meet, we may meet at Zaxby's or Chick-fil-A or, you know, now over Zoom or whatever, but, you know, helping them to understand the role that they do play and are expected to play. And, you know, when you talk about that verse, you know, 21 through 23 that we just read, it's like, hey, understand that, that there is an expectation for you as a man um, that scripture has given us. And, it's, it's hard to wrap your head around. Um, and, and I try and I try and use the word expectation because I feel like, you know, for, I feel like as generations go on, there's um, so many broken homes. Um, there's so many um, households with, without the father. And for, for us to just talk about that, and it, it's a statistic that obviously is still relevant. Um, you know, and a lot of our, a lot of our guys that we deal with, you know, don't have fathers that are involved or in the picture at all. And so it's like, understand that as a believer, you do have expectation in your household, um, not to mimic what the, what culture is saying is acceptable or what you have, have experienced in your life, but that, Hey, if you're going to be a believer and you're going to be a father, you're going to be a husband, you know, there is a way that this has to come, come together. And so, you know, it's, it's been, you know, Amy and I, we've, this year in October will be four years for us being married. And so there's still a lot of things that we're figuring out. Um, but for, for both of us, it has been trying to figure out, you know, how, how is this marriage really supposed to look mm. when we look at it in, con in context to what scripture says? Yeah, I've learned a lot from millennial marriages. I feel like, um, there's a little bit more of an equality that makes sense. Again, some people have so twisted the whole, uh, head of the house stuff to be westernized. <laughs> I think there's an equality there that I love. There's also um, uh, more experiential. I feel like millennials more experiential. You know, uh, you know, Trent. We all wanted the stuff. You know, we got the house, the cars, and all all those things. And I think millennials are going. We don't need all that. We'd rather go hang out and have fun and uh, and be experiential in that way. Uh, I've, I've watched. I've learned a lot from millennials too about how they. You know, they try to spend time enjoying each other. Um, and there's probably a little bit of a clearer voice, you know. Sometimes uh, wives don't feel like they can say something. And the question is, do we create a safe place that she can? Because, you know, a lot for Nancy, she's an acts of service person. And a lot of times I'll try to do acts of service. Cause, and what I've learned is I'll ask her 
what it, what is it you would want to do? Like, what is that chore you want me to? It's usually smaller, right? It's usually some, <laughs> it's not paint the house. It's like, uh, can you feed the dog? And I'm like, dang, I would have wasted all that time painting the room or something. <laughs> all I do is feed the dog. Now I'm the champ. Uh, but yeah, I think you're I think you're right. I don't know, Trent. When I think about the love of Christ, and you know, if it's marriage is supposed to represent the the relationship between Christ and the church. And again, I've always thought about marriage as being like the greatest marketing tool for the church. Because mm-hmm. uh, our marriages are supposed to look really authentic and really real, but really, really loving and supportive that it makes somebody in our cul-de-sac or at work when we used to work, uh, Zoom, th- those moments to say, what is, what is it they have? Like, what is because it's so attractive. Like when you sit down with a couple and they're supportive of each other, uh, they talk well about each other when they're not around. Uh, they don't try to correct each other's stories. You know, that's one thing that drives me crazy is people <laughs> correcting their spouse about stupid stuff. Right. Who cares if you showed up at 6.15 instead of 6? Who cares if it happened at Easter instead of Christmas? Shut up. <laughs> I don't, like, stop. Like, who cares? It's those, like, have those moments of, uh, of self-awareness to say, I'm going to treat her really, really good out of reverence for Christ. And what that ultimately does, it makes people, you know, what is that? Because people have such issue with the church right now. The church needs bridges. Yeah. And I feel like, especially if we can help millennials marriages, it could be a great bridge back in the church. Like, if the church is known as the ones that know what time it is when it comes to marriages, millennials want a great one. I mean, no one gets married because they don't want it to work. I mean, I think we've got less confidence that it's going to, but most of us want it. I think we can get a great opportunity. Um, you know, I, I don't think it, a great marriage is made up of people that are a lot alike, right? It's people, people are very, very different and love to, have learned to love each other anyway. I mean, one of my mentors said he went to a council with his wife, and I think he'd been married for 25 years at the time. And he says, I want you to fix her, and I want you to fix me. Uh, and they just unpacked years worth of um, her not feeling like she was good enough. Hmm. And, and trying to make, and he was pastor, trying to make her into this person that everybody would accept, accept more. Uh, and now he talks about she's a creative She's fascinating. I mean, Nancy and I have always been on stage, and Nancy's very introverted. So when we were traveling, people would ask me after, because she's come, she's firecracker on stage. She's a lot of fun, but when she comes off, she immediately gets quiet. I would have people ask me what's wrong with her that didn't even know her. So instead of me protecting her, I would try to get her to be more what I thought they were wanting from her. Right. Mm. And I don't even know what clicked, but one day I went, isn't it fascinating that she's like that? And then you meet all these other Christian leaders, you're going, there's a lot of them like that. So I think when it's a mind shift, when I finally went, isn't it fascinating that she can be that introverted and yet that extroverted on stage? And it was just that then I didn't feel any pressure to try to make her be anything. And I certainly didn't, um, I certainly didn't tell somebody that doesn't even know her yeah you're right she's she should be something more that you want her to be (laughs) you know whatever those moments are but i think it's a lot of this is is mindset it's a radical way to love each other it really is well philip you 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 brought up something and and ted you touched on this about with the millennials and that is there does seem to be this because i think that's one of the things that helps frustrates whatever in the workplace with that generation is they all wanted to be created with the same respect. But the guy that's been serving in the company for 30 years is like, no, I put in this amount of time and you don't get that kind of respect until you've put in your dues. And so, but with this millennial generation, there is a natural, like I respect you, you respect me. But you know, you go back to Ephesians 22 and 23, I mean, and, and, we kind of a lot of people revolt back when they hear wives submit to your husbands but then when they see how that's possible is because that husband is loving them like christ loves them like that becomes so easy and i and where i bring it back to the millennial is that millennials always are looking for someone to follow like they're looking for the example to follow 
I feel like that generation feels like there's been a lot of bad examples of what not to do. And that's why they always ask the question, why? Why do I need to do it that way? Because there's not been great examples in their lives of why I should do it that way. And um, I think that the cool thing is we get a chance as a church to represent the why. And the why is, is we're, we are representing Christ and his love for the world in our love to our spouse, to our wives, especially as men. And in that, that why feels the freedom to be led by a husband who loves Jesus. And um, it's just such a, the bar is high. <laughs> that, there's no doubt about that. But if yeah. the bar wasn't high, then why would we fight for it? Right. And I, I think it's, um, you know, the Bible tells us men do not be harsh with your wife. Yeah. Um, I think some of this, it, the bar's high, but I think it comes down to, it may not be easy to live out, but God's way to love each other is easy to understand. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, who are the people outside your marriage that you're drawn to? It's people that are gentle, that are fun, that are humble. You know, I think for guys, especially, like, how, how do I do this? You know, uh, be gentle, be gentle, be forgiving, be tough and be tough in the sense of she can say things and you take it. Yeah. Like, you know, I watch so many men, if their wives have any emotions that they, they think it's about them, mm. you know, she's frustrated. Well, it ain't all about you. She may be frustrated with kids. She may be frustrated with COVID-19, like to say, she needs to have a place where it's safe for her to be that. So I think how we do this is really like there's a gentleness and there's a meekness and there is uh, fewer words and there's fewer reactions and it's just this thing of quit it's this battle that just starts to quieten just mm-hmm. it starts to settle um it starts things not to matter and i think this is a great time to practice all that um yeah i kind of bringing this to a little bit of a wrap-up because we've had such great i hate to i hate to do that because it's been such great conversation but I, I know my listeners and they're not going to listen to me talk much longer. So, uh, no, no, I get it. I get it. <laughs> but, uh, first Peter three, seven says, likewise, husbands live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman. Mm-hmm. And it says as the weaker vessel. And again, it's another like misunderstood verse. Like there's mm-hmm. this misunderstanding that people think that the, scripture here is telling us that well women are weak and they're not you know as as good as men like there's an they they use this as an equality issue but that's not what's happening here it's like no god's put this standard for men to follow to be loving examples of christ therefore leading an example but then he tells the husband to live in such a a way with your wives live in an understanding way like you were just talking about like Understanding one, it's not all about you. Understanding she's a more emotional person, just naturally built that way by God. So let her be emotional, you know, um, and then have grace with her because guess what? Jesus has made her a co-heir to the kingdom just like you, you know. And you're going to need that grace really soon. Yeah, yeah, like in the next two seconds. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. So wrapping kind of things up, you know, Ted, share, share that story. You know, uh, what are some practical ways that we can be better witnesses of the gospel as Christian marriages? And, and I've heard you share the story of the Disney world thing. And it just really stuck to me because I really feel like it's just so true of how we're not good examples hmm. of the gospel publicly. Yeah. We were, we're at Disney world back when people could go outside um and you would get as close as possible to as many strangers as you possibly could on a really hot or cold day so we're standing in line for space mountain and you know i'm the watcher of relationships so i'm i'm watching this and this lady is talking to another family in front of her and she is like mickey's sister she is like the tour guide of Here's the best place to watch fireworks, and here's the greatest place to eat, and here's the way you can get another fast pass, all these things. And she is so sweet, and her husband says, hey, honey, and she turns and she looks at me, she goes, what? And I thought, wow, she is giving the best of herself 
to people she will never, ever, ever see again. Uh, and I'm like, why don't you save a smidgen of that for him? Um, and I don't, I don't know what that's about. I don't know. I think they're again. I think it's the safety part. I just think the great news with marriage is just, it's just a bunch of I call them micro moves, and they're small. And they're giving moment after moment after moment. We've got a chance, these micro moves, to just be kind, to just be respectful, to just let something go that don't make a big deal about. Become less opinionated. And people think, you know, they got to talk everything out. Well, there's some things you're not going to understand about your spouse until Jesus takes you home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we try to work it all out. It's just how, do you, how can you be gentle? How can you be sweet? And if the world notices, and they will, um, that's great. But I think the priority is you loving those people closest to you the most. And God will honor that by letting other people see. Mm -hmm. What are some practical ways for, you know, husbands to love each other better? What would you say? Like, what is a micro move where you can tell a husband right here that's listening to this podcast, like, Hey, here's a micro move to love your wife better and vice versa. Wives, here's a micro move to love your husband better. Yeah, I think you people tend to love, as Gary Chapman says, uh, try to love like you want to be loved. But what's her love language? What's his love language? What speaks love to them and then do it? Like for Nancy, for Mother's Day, she doesn't want gifts. She doesn't want flowers. Uh, she's acts of service. So, you know. If I help her clean, that's a micro move. Uh, for some people, they're words of encouragement. A lot, a lot, a lot of men are words of encouragement. Um, and it's an insatiable appetite, but at the same time, it's a post-it note that you live on his computer. Thank you for what you do for our family. Mm-hmm. If they're, whoever washes the clothes at your house, they find a post-it note that says, hey, thank you for doing this. Or somebody walks in and they think they have to fold the clothes because they always have to fold the clothes. The clothes are folded. It's these moments, and it's and it's these moments of grace. It's these moments, and they may even be pushing you for a reaction because they want to get a release. Right. But just in those moments, to be more gentle. I think a lot of this, if we would pretend like we we're on video, like for you know, if we're doing a reality show, then what's our what's our television teaching people? People are watching right now. You know, to your example of people are watching. What would the story be telling right now? Would people be pulled towards our marriage or they'd be repelled uh, toward a marriage? And these aren't big moves. I mean, this isn't, you know, great marriages are not made of big moments and, and money and great vacations. If that was the case, Hollywood would have the greatest marriages on the planet. Mm-hmm. It's the small stuff. And so if people are watching, uh, are they endeared to you? Or would they be repelled? But again, you can't get caught up in something so big, so 30,000 feet is maybe even that example. But what are those those small things? And I think if you don't know what those are, you can say, hey, what's one way I can love you today? You know, we're stressed out. I know the two of us have been frustrated. What's something I could do? Right. Yeah. And start with the small ticket items that actually end up to be huge. And, you know, I think that's a good good advice there because – Here's the truth. We change over time, right? So what used to be a small way of loving your wife, for whatever reason, she doesn't, that doesn't excite her anymore. That doesn't, you know, fill her tank anymore. I mean, she likes that you do X, Y, or Z, but, you know, I've shifted, I've matured, I've learned something different, you know? So that conversation of, of continued, just because you've been married, like Lacey and I have been married for 20 years, and you would think we would know each other really, really well, but I still have to ask things, you know, like, Hey, how does this make you feel? Do you still like this? You know, I wanted to buy her a piece of jewelry last summer for our 20th. And she's like, when I did give her a gift and I told her what I was going to buy her, she said, I'm so glad you didn't buy me that. I would have hated it. And oh, I was wow. like, yeah, I mean, I was gung ho trying to find that thing. And I just, didn't materialize and wow that would have been huge because i didn't ask you know and i think sometimes we overcomplicate it and we just say we feel like we have to be mind readers and we don't you know that's good Trent. that's Trent. yeah everybody's everybody's evolving you know nobody knows but them 
And some people go, their spouse may be so angry with them right now that they want nothing. I don't want anything from you. Mm. So you could get that. Um, and even then you still choose love, you know, if you get that, then be a little bit more stealthy, go on her Pinterest page and find out what she's been looking at. You yeah. Know? Ask your friend, ask her sister. Like she's probably been talking about you anyway. So <laughs> that's right. Go on the Instagram cart, see what you've right. been taking in and putting out, you know, <laughs> that's right. Um, all right. So last, last practical tip here. Um, I think we kind of touched scratch the surface on this too. And that is, there's some really good marriages out there. Some I'm going to plug in computer right here for all those yeah. visual learners. Sorry. <laughs> no problem. I, I just got this big alert that says I'm on 5%. So, so sorry. <laughs> okay. Back to you. No problem. Perfect. So, there's some really good marriages out there, but I think we kind of have this mindset, unfortunately in Christian world that mind your own business. There's mm. no like, looking to set examples or bring people into understanding how to live life together. Mm. And that's a shame. And so for the couples that let's say they're, they're listening to this and they're like, well, me and my wife, we're kind of in a good place, mm. you know, or maybe COVID-19 has really solved some of those things that we were having because we had that pause moment in life and time to work through some things and we're in a good place, you know, what would you say to that couple? Like, how how can that couple use that that breakthrough or use their life or that marriage that it is good? What would you say to them? Oh, that's great. That's great. I think they could ask, uh, you know, they could ask their pastor. You know, I, I I bet you Trent would love it if six couples from your church called and said, you know what? We're not perfect, but we've certainly enjoyed each other and we've certainly found some hope. Is there any couple that could use a Zoom call? Uh, or maybe you know who that couple is that you could pour into. Um, you know, sometimes it's better for a guy to go to a guy and a lady to go to a lady, because uh, I know that can be intimidating. Um, don't use the word mentor with them, but that's a little bit of the setup or discipleship. How can you pour into somebody else? How can you give them encouragement? Um, I think now is a perfect, perfect time for that. So if you're a believer, you know, ask your pastor, <laughs> is there anybody that, that needs us right now that could help you keep people out of your office even that we could pour into? So uh, I think continuing to model it is important. And, and here's the thing, just like you just said, we keep changing. So doing great now, but just keep doing what you're doing, right? Like none of us, none of us ever arrive because as soon as we get settled, something big is going to can shift right it's, it's like a river right we got to keep paddling or that's you go right. backwards you know that's right well i think this has been really fun today thanks ted for taking some time with us and investing in our people our audience and uh with what you learned and, and just the ministry god's given you so thanks for being a part of the paradox culture podcast and um so you know, we're going to put this out there. And what I want you to do, Ted, is tell our audience how they can connect with you because you've got some great material out there. You've got some great resources and I want them to connect with you in a way beyond just this podcast. So give the audience some, some ideas how we can continue that relationship. Yeah. So I know a lot of people have um, more time to listen to, to audio or to read. I have a book called Your Best Us. It was a book we wrote for people who don't like marriage books. Uh, it's a hundred pages or there's an audio version. I love audio books. Um, so it's called your best us marriage is easier than you think. Uh, the other thing I'm excited about is we have a, a membership. Uh, it's part of orange, part of our company. It's called, you can get find it marriedpeople.org backslash home. Um, actually you can go to marriedpeople.org and you'll see two routes. You can go help. Here's how you help churches. But on the other side is here's a couple's membership. So I went to our leadership and I said, God, people really seem to be hurting right now. Can I give it away? And within 30 seconds, they were like, of course. So it's what I've wanted to do anyway. Uh, and I'm not sure how long we can do it, but for now, uh, people can get six months of it for free. So if they go to marriedpeople.org backslash home, sign up. It's got all these, uh, it's got date nights and videos and messages and small group studies. Uh, there's even a COVID-19 section that we've put together that I'm really uh, pleased with that we've gotten a lot of uh, great comments about. 
So if nothing else, people could go there and register, read that and unsubscribe. So, you know, they don't have to put their credit card in or anything. They put their name and their email and it's theirs. And so that's, uh, I, it's very funny. As soon as we said, you can have it, people took it. <laughs> like, right? yes, absolutely. I'll take that. I'll take it. I'll <laughs> take it, which has been really fun. Uh, but yeah, it's, that's where I would point to one of those two resources. That's awesome. Uh, definitely. We'll put that in the show notes so that you can get there by the, the click of the link after you've listened or watched the podcast. Um, and also just a quick um, promo, you know, like I said earlier in the podcast, we will be hosting your best night in this Friday night at 730 on uh, First Baptist Snellville's Facebook page and our YouTube channel. So make sure you go there and be a part of that. It is I mean, Ted and Nancy did a fantastic job, and and not only just them, he uh, recruited a bunch of his friends that do marriage conferences and books and podcasts, and brought them all to one place. And it's about it's about an hour and twenty minutes, I think, was the total watch time, and it was well worth every minute of it. So join us at seven thirty this coming Friday, May fifteenth. Uh, we'll hope you'll uh, connect with us through that Facebook live and on our YouTube channel. So, uh, Philip, thanks for being here today. You did a great job. Uh, and Ted, again, can't thank you enough. Appreciate you coming on this podcast with us. You bet. My pleasure. So, uh, as always like subscribe, find us on Spotify and iTunes as well as YouTube and, uh, continue to follow the paradox culture podcast as we dive in and look forward to episode number seven coming up. Thanks again for being here, Ted. We'll talk to you soon.